You are now listening to The Big Data Beard. Hi, everybody. This is Corey Menton, and we are back with another season of The Big Data Beard podcast. And we're going to kick it off in style this time with a little conversation around streaming storage reimagined. And to have that conversation today, I'm joined by two folks from Dell Technologies. Amy Tananis is the product marketing manager at Dell Technologies, and Flavio Junquera is the senior distinguished engineer at Dell Technologies. Amy and Flavio, welcome to the show. Amy, how are you surviving in this crazy uh, coronavirus work from home migration? I'm doing surprisingly well. I think I was made for this kind of living. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. I had a conversation yesterday and I somebody said it's a worst nightmare for an extrovert because we don't get to get out and, you know, socialize, but it's also a worst nightmare for an introvert because you really don't get a lot of downtime because there's so many people in the house potentially for those of us of kids and wives and families and all this stuff. So it's uh everybody's struggling a little bit. Flavio, how are you doing in this time? I'm pretty good. Um pretty good. Yeah, it has been um, it has been nice and challenging at the same time. Nice from the perspective that uh, we spend a lot of time with family together, like I, I believe we have never done before. Um, uh, and so that's nice. But the challenging part is not being able to step outside. I Me mean, here in Spain, we have full lockdown. Uh, we can only go outside for groceries and uh, and all that stuff. So from that perspective, it's, uh, it's challenging. But uh, you know, we we we're coping with it very well. So Absolutely. no complaints. Well, good. Well, I hope everybody else is staying safe out there. I hope our audience is staying safe. And hopefully this conversation and episode will give you something to uh, enjoy in the uh, the lockdown that's happening f so many places around the world. Now, you know, business hasn't stopped. Uh, people are still uh, out there working, trying to derive value from data. And one of the conversations and, and kind of macro themes that has been really popular over the last, you know, two years-ish, if you will, is this concept of uh, analytics on streams. So I want to set the table. Amy, would you do me a favor and help us understand what exactly do, do people mean when they talk about streams? Sure. Yeah. So a stream is just a continuous data feed that's in constant motion. So there's no beginning. There's no end. Um, typically, we have a timestamp on our data feeds. So this is different because it's always flowing. Uh, today, a lot of our data naturally comes in this form. You know, everyone has a smartphone. Organizations are beginning to utilize drones and security cameras. So we're seeing this information produced all the time. Interesting. Now, this constant stream of data, uh, I'm guessing, is uh, is kind of important. You just mentioned a few kind of interesting areas, security and surveillance and those kind of things. Why Why is streaming getting so much press these days as becoming really critical for modern analytics? Yeah. So, you know, it's important for us to be able to consume it, store it and analyze it in real time as it's coming in, because we get the most value from this data as it's coming in. Um, you know, a good example is when we're shopping online. So we get to the cart and we have suggested purchases. If the computer behind that was to look at that data historically, we'd be getting it a week from now and that wouldn't be as valuable. Um, or something like traffic lights, we can look at how busy they are and change the timing in between them if we can get that information as it's coming in. So the ability to analyze information as it's coming in is hugely valuable in almost every industry. Yeah, so get into that real-time capability 
is so challenging. I imagine, you know, there's a lot of organizations and a lot of technologies being built and developed to handle exactly that problem. So Flavio, I'm curious from your perspective, you know, what are the challenges that this stream type data bring to maybe those traditional analytics platforms that organizations have spent the last five, 10 years deploying? Right. So following up on, uh, on what Amy just said, if you are continuously generating data and you can imagine applications where you have a large number of these data sources, uh, so she, she used an online shopping example, right? But you can also think of uh, fleets of servers, uh, sensors, like edge applications in general. You can have many of those and all of those producing these flows of data continuously. So this capability uh, necessary to ingest this data and make it available downstream. So if you're talking about applications that we want, that want to tail that stream, right? So we want to process the data as soon as possible. So ingesting that and making it available downstream is, is a challenge by itself. Now, if you think about the characteristics of, uh, of the, this stream flows, um, they need, they're unbounded. Right, so as Amy mentioned, they are unbounded. So they have, um, the, well, they have a beginning. They begin at some point, but th there is, there is no, 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 there is, there isn't necessarily an end. Um, and not even that alone, you can have fluctuations in the in the workload. So that uh, the flow you're getting might change. You might get fewer sensors at some point, or more sensors, or or more service, fewer service. So all those can uh, can fluctuate, and and. The, the your platform must be able to accommodate those changes and in addition to that you don't want you don't want to have duplicates or miss events or 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 have problems with the with the stream in a way that doesn't reflect what the application expects so consistency is another is another um is another important property all that's with the uh, with the application wanting to deliver results with low latency so taking that data um, processing it and uh, delivering the results as fast as possible. And there is finally the the, um, the the aspect of reacting fast to changes. So if you are in this in the situation that you are taking this data live, processing live, and delivering results as fast as possible, the system must must also be able to accommodate uh, changes to to many things. To the workload, as I mentioned, uh, there could be faults, and the system needs to uh, to, to react to those. Uh, maybe re-replicate. Um, um, it might need to increase the the, the amount of resources dedicated to uh, a particular application. So all those make um, building a platform like this very very challenging. Absolutely. Now we we did talk about you know kind of at the onset that there is this idea that we need to think about storage. So help me understand. You know when we think about platforms that are moving towards dealing with analyzing those unbounded, highly diverse time series data types, right, in real time, why is storage a critical component to the overall architecture that an organization will build to get to that real-time streaming analytics? Because mentioning Justin again, you have the data being continuously generated out of the, out of the application sources. And you want to capture it and make it available to downstream applications. There could be multiple of those applications. They could be reacting to that data at different times at a, at a different pace. And so you need to keep that data around until those applications have, uh, have processed the, the data. Now, 
many applications do not simply want to take the data or to tail the, the, the stream and be done with the data. There are applications like that that look more like a message queue pub sub kind of, a, kind of applications. But there are many applications that want to um, ingest the data and keep it around for you know as long as they need it. Many applications, for example, might want to reprocess the data. They might want to reprocess it because they have changed their code and want to generate results in a different way. They may maybe they found a bug and they and they want to rerun it, um, or maybe they want to just rematerialize a, a particular view out of a of a stream of a of changes or events or messages. So all those would be reasons for we, for keeping stream data around and to treat stream as a storage primitive. So storing the stream data and keeping it available for applications for as long as they need it. Now, help me understand what about storage platforms today? Because you said, you know, using stream as a storage primitive. What about storage uh, platforms and protocols today is really needing to be reimagined. Like why doesn't, you know, our traditional file or object or block storage kind of platforms or, you know, distributed file systems, why are they not good enough or what needs to be reimagined about them in this streaming context to solve some unique problems? Right. Neither file nor object give you this abstraction of uh, an unbounded uh, parallel uh, sequences of, uh, of data coming from multiple sources that gives you the, the this elasticity property in which you change dynamically the amount of resources allocated to to the stream as workload changes and providing even consistency in a way that uh, you can guarantee uh, strong properties end to end right so so files for example don't 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 give that out of the box right? you have to do quite a bit of gymnastics to uh, to, to get you what i'm saying mm-hmm. So and also, go ahead. Sorry, just to complete the the thought. Uh, the and and we also want to do that in a way that uh, you are able to tail and process data historically. So it's it's not only about taking the stream, but it's also about tailing tailing and processing data historically. So processing data from the stream uh, at multiple points in time. Interesting. So the outcome of the the work that you've been doing, and I know we've we've had you on the Big Data Beard podcast before, uh, it's really summed up in this this it's it's packaged up in this open source project called Pervega. So Flavio, give me just at a high level, what exactly is Pervega, and and what are those specific design paradigms that that you and the team use to uh, develop what Pervega has become today? Right. So Pervega is a system that exposes stream as its main storage primitive. You, If you want to store that in Pravega, you create a stream and you can have a number of, uh, of uh, writers appending data, data to that stream. That can be done in parallel. We have the, the, the notion of segments and uh, and those segments are implemented in a way that uh, that the writers can be writing to to those parallel segments in um in uh, in, in parallel um and uh, and all concurrently and we give you the ability of um scaling is a string so this set of segments this set of parallel segments that you have to ingest data they can change over time so you can start with 
say two segments and then and then evolve to to three and then that could become I don't know maybe six and then at some later point you don't need as many and so it, it drops down to uh, to maybe three so that kind of dynamics in a in a stream is possible with uh, with, with Provega. Now, if I if I step back and uh, and talk about the core principles that uh, that drove our design, so first uh, was the idea that uh, we need we needed to provide uh, the properties I mentioned before for capturing stream data. Uh, so you need to provide this notion of a of a an unbounded an unbounded set, uh, an unbounded sequence of uh, of uh, of bytes, right? Just a sequential data. It needs to be elastic. Right, so it needs to accommodate to changes to uh, of the workload. So your workload grows, then uh, it, it grows, uh, it grows accordingly. Uh, workload drops, then uh, it drops accordingly. So that that ability, uh, we also always wanted to be there, and we have had that uh, that in mind from uh, from the beginning. And the mechanisms to provide uh, consistency guarantees, and in particular, providing exactly one semantics uh, end-to-end. Of course, no one can implement exactly one semantics end-to-end on, on, it, on its own, right? So Provega on its own doesn't do it. It needs the help of the application, which is something that uh, that uh, we have done with, with some of our applications in, in that, that work with Provega, right? So ingestion, um, uh, scalability, uh, processing data streams, this is another important aspect. We we feel strongly about exposing a single API for the application to process to both tail a stream and to process the data of the stream historically, right? So you 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 should be able to use the same API to process the recent events as well as go back say six months ago and uh, and and reprocess the data from uh, from that point onwards. We feel that uh, you shouldn't have to use different storage systems to, um, to 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 store that data, right? And use different APIs to access the data depending on what position you, you you're talking about. So that's a, one interesting aspect of of Pravega and uh, and that we have kept as one of the core design principles we have followed. Interesting. So <clears throat> two things I want to uh, dig into there. One is you mentioned that in order to achieve that exactly once semantics, uh, you need to work with uh, other processing technologies, things both upstream and downstream. So what are some of those technologies uh, from a processing perspective that you know an organization would be integrating Provega with, again, both upstream in the stream or at production side or the pub sub side down to uh, consumption and uh, distribution? There are three important mechanisms from a, from a Provega perspective. Uh, one is the ability of uh, not inducing duplicates or missing events, say in the case of uh, of reconnections, right? So uh, a client disconnects and then he reconnects. It doesn't know exactly where he was left off, and so and so if you don't do anything about it, you might end up either missing events or duplicating. So we have a mechanism to avoid that. There is um, the transactions, which gives you the ability of writing. We're doing a bunch of appends, and if you commit, then uh, then you know that the the events are going to be made available for reading, and you can check that, right? So you can check the status of a of a transaction. So if you left in an uncertain state, you can check whether uh, what happened to the transaction and react accordingly. And the third one is uh, is uh, is checkpointing. Now checkpointing happens on the on the on the reader side, so a reader group. Uh, 
can has a bit of giving you a, a checkpoint object that uh, that is an opaque view of a position in the stream. Now, how is that useful? So, if you, for example, you have a Flink job, and uh, and you have checkpoint enabled, Flink checkpoints. So the Flink checkpoint will start by uh, requesting a the Provega reader group for its own checkpoint, and that will trigger the execution of the Flink um, checkpoint execution. So it will flow through the the, the processing graph of uh, of the Flink job, and at the end, it will it will commit uh, an open transaction to only then make the output available, right? So, so the only the, the way to get a, an output available out of processing in uh, in that Flink job is by making sure that that checkpoint execution is successful, right? So that combination of uh, of the, an, an application mechanism, which is the Flink checkpoint in this case, plus our checkpointing in Provega, and the and transactions enables us to provide exactly once uh, end to end. Excellent. Now, the other thing that you mentioned that I just want to make sure for our listeners, they, they kind of understand this concept because I think it's it's pretty crucial is you talked about, you know, tailing a data set. Tell, help me understand what does it mean when you take a stream and you you tail the data set for the purpose of some analytical job? So tailing means uh, reading events as, as soon as they are available for reading. So that's what I mean with tailing because another way, so let, let's, let's reason about it in a different way. So so I can start producing events to a stream, but I'm not I'm not reading those events at all, right? So it, it keeps adding, right, to the stream. So the writers keep adding data to the stream, but I'm not I'm not reading at all. And then at some later point, I start an application that will start reading it. At that point, the application needs to catch up, and so you will start from the head of a, of the stream. Right, but those are not the events that have been produced recently. Those are older events, right? Now the application will then uh, move as fast as it can so that it can catch up, and at some point, it, it hits the, the 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 tail of the of the of the stream, right? The tail of the stream corresponds to the events that are have been just recently added, right? So when I say tailing, I'm referring to reading the data that has been recently added to the to the stream understood okay just wanted to clarify for our listeners now you talked about having this um this single api to make it simple for uh integration with the technology so how exactly would you know developers interact with this technology and and why does a single api matter so much today um so a a, a developer would interact with uh, with the stream by determining where to start from in in the stream. So you can you can point to a particular position in the stream and uh, and start processing from there. Now, why why does it matter whether you can process data from um, I don't know maybe months ago or even years ago, right? Versus um, versus today and, and using different systems for that. So imagine that you want to reprocess data, okay? And, and now you don't have all your stream data in, in a single system. So now you have to go to, to different systems to, to, to read data, right? So if you're reprocessing, maybe uh, 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 
your head is in in some system and you have to start from a from system one and then when you have hit the end of the dating system one then you have to transition to system two two and so you end up having a, a complexity of having to deal with this two systems when when reprocessing data so what so help me understand how because you're obviously system one system two um it sounds like Pravega could be system three, but it could have some longer tail. So help me understand, how does an organization go adopt Pravega to solve that problem? Because it feels like that there may be existing streams that would have been valuable. Like, is it a migration? Is it something that comes alongside it? Help, help me understand what an organization does to uh, adopt and implement Pravega to achieve that outcome. Right. So in the case of, uh, of Pravega, there wouldn't be system one and system two. There will be only one system, which is Pravega. So Pravega ingests all of the stream data. It keeps all of the stream data. And if you want to read that stream data, you only go to one system, which is Pravega. So there is a single source of, uh, of the stream data for you rather than having uh, multiple systems you need to talk to. Gotcha. So how is this, this really different from maybe open source technologies we see today, whether it's you know, the, the Hadoop ecosystem or, you know, the things like, you know, spark streaming, like help me understand what are some of the key differences, why an organization would be you know, interested in Provega as an open source technology versus maybe what's out there in the, in the open source community today. Provega has a strong focus on, on storing stream data. So the, the, the storage part is, is very key to, to our focus and, and our message. Um, we have less of a focus on PubSub message queue style of, uh, of systems. It doesn't mean that we cannot accommodate search workloads, but it's not, it's not our strength at the moment. Our strength is on the, on the storage aspect of it, ingesting stream data, storing it and, and serving that data. Um, another important aspect is that, uh, we, we are what I'd like to call cloud friendly. Right, so the, the properties of uh, of the streams, as, as I have defined, like embounded, elastic, uh, consistent, those are all properties that you care about if you are in 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 a, if you're building cloud native applications. If you are in a, in a cloud environment, uh, you don't want to be, limit, be limited by storage of say a, a single server. Um, in in terms of uh, with respect to deployment, since I'm talking about cloud, we also we we. We also able to deploy on Kubernetes, so we provide operators, and so you can. Uh, th that's another consideration you you can have about Pravega. Um, it's it's easy to work with Kubernetes and provide those operators, and so deploying is um, is is relatively easy. So, thinking about uh, Pravega as a you know a storage uh, abstraction, right? As a storage primitive deployed in Kubernetes, like what sort of resources are are, is it constrained by in terms of infrastructure? Again, whether deployed on premises or in the cloud, is Pravega, I mean, is it a large amount of compute with a massive amount of storage behind it? Is it is it small compute that's, that's super lightweight and it's really focused on consuming and just laying out storage efficiently and using large amounts of, you know, hard drive resources, whether, uh, consumed via software or some other abstraction. What what exactly does Pravega get deployed on and what does it consume the most of? Pravega by itself is not heavy on uh, on computation. So the, the computation part 
comes from a, from the stream processor, right? So if we think about a Pravega as being one component in in data pipelines, Pravega is the storage part, and you need the stream processor to make sense out of the data, right? So read the data, process it, and and generate results. I gave the example of Apache Flink before. Uh, I can use it again now. So you, if we use Flink as a, as a stream processor. Of, for Provega data, I you know using Provega as a as a source, um, I, I see most of the computes being used there with with the with the Flink jobs. Provega is is IO intensive. Um, we we I can talk a bit about the architecture. So we have we have two components, two core components. One is is the controller, the other one is the segment store. So the controller manages the lifecycle of uh, of streams. The controller, the segment store is the component responsible for storing segment data. And the segment store works with tiered storage. There is a tier one that we use um, kind of like a journal, right? So if he, if he receives the pens, it will, it will write to the journal, which is today's implemented with Apache Bookkeeper. Um, so it, it, writes, it writes to that journal and, uh, and asynchronously, it, it stores data, it moves data to, to a second tier. So that second tier can be implemented with, uh, with a variety of systems. We, we rely typically on horizontally scalable storage. A few options that, uh, that we support are, um, you know, HDFS, uh, NFS based systems. So there's, for, there's, for example, a product in, um, in Dell EMC, which is Iceland that, uh, that we can use. Uh, we could also use, uh, we can also use object, right? So S3-like um, systems. We have ECS in, uh, in Dell EMC that, uh, that you can use for that. So all those are options that uh, we use for that second tier. So to, to summarize uh, the tiering, we have a first tier, which is, uh, which is um, essentially a journal. And we don't need a large footprint there because the data stored there is, um, is just until when we um, have stored it in the second tier. Right? So at that point, once that it moves to the second tier, then we can truncate from, uh, from the first tier. So again, we don't need a, a lot of uh, a large footprint there. But for the second tier, give that's the long-term storage, the amount, you know, the capacity that, uh, that you need for that tier, uh, will vary. It will depend on the on, on the particular deployment, on the requirements of the applications running on on top of that uh, of that Provega deployment. But the good news is that if you're relying on a horizontally scalable storage, then you can accommodate as much as you uh, as you need. No, I think that's I think that's brilliant in terms of you're solving a. Uh, growing and emerging challenge of dealing with these streams, but you're leveraging technologies that are, uh, I think, highly pervasive. Things like, you know, Kubernetes for managing large-scale clusters, both on-prem and in the cloud, is clearly the way of the future, kind of abstracting that compute even further than virtualization. And then obviously using storage primitives that people in organizations have lots of already, whether it's large-scale Hadoop file systems that have been very popular in analytics, or even, you know, those large-scale NFS file stores and even object stores, which become kind of interesting, especially in cloud and cloud-like deployments. So interesting that layers on top of that. I like that story. And and one thing I heard was that in doing some research, I hear that Provega, right, is an open source uh, technology, um, but it's, it's absolutely fundamental to something that uh, Dell is bringing to market called the Dell EMC 
streaming data platform. So help me understand, you know, what it, what exactly is this Dell EMC streaming data platform and where does where does Provega fit there? Yeah, I'll take that one. Um, so Provega is actually the key engine within this new software product, the Dell streaming data platform. So in addition, in addition to what um, Flavio has been saying about what Provega can do alone, the streaming data platform creates an out-of-the-box software solution that couples it with some of Dell's best long-term storage offerings. So just like Flavio was just saying, um, some of those storage offerings are now available as that long-term storage. So once that real-time data becomes historical data, it's automatically tiered to those storage offerings. And it also couples it with multiple analytics capabilities like Apache Flink or Spark, again, as Flavio was mentioning. So by putting it all together into one out-of-the-box solution, it's offering next-level business insights to our customers. Um, and in the case of the streaming data platform, the people that are usually working with uh, the platform are used to dealing with multiple complex data streams within their organizations. So they have to stand those up and manage them and worry about securing them. So to have this one platform that they can now use is huge for them. Um, and since it's an out-of-the-box solution, not only is it easy to stand up and manage, but it comes with the support offered at Dell. So a lot of the customers that we've seen um, in the past were kind of creating this themselves and, um, you know, kind of having piecemeal infrastructures before the streaming data platform came along. So now they have the ability to create applications and write on top of this platform, but they also get the support of Dell. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah. And, and, and as I read, it's also, it, it looks like it's powered by uh, much of the the work that the VMware and Pivotal teams are doing around Kubernetes to simplify the deployment. Is that right? Absolutely. The whole thing is built on Kubernetes. Oh, that's awesome. So, you know, that's, that's interesting that Dell has standardized on this open source project. I think that's a kind of an interesting modern marriage between uh, open source software and, uh, and, and infrastructure companies and software companies working with them to solve what sounds like some pretty interesting challenges in the market. I, I'm curious how, you know, I, it, Dell sounds like they're supportive of this Provega thing, but it's it's not like y'all are uh, it's owned by Dell. It's absolutely open source. So help me understand, you know, what you're doing to make sure that Provega stays open source that you, that you have a vibrant, you know, community of contributors and users. Yeah. So we're interacting with the community by contributing to the projects we deploy on and deploy with. So CNCF and Linux Foundation projects like Kubernetes or Cloud Foundry and Apache Software Foundation product projects like Flink, Spark, Zookeeper, Bookkeeper, we're interacting with them to build that community and keep it strong. Oh, it's awesome. Now, I'm curious, you know, it's, it's one thing to talk tech for, for the sake of tech, but I, I always like to go back to... Uh, what is actually happening in the real world? Like when an organization, you know, adopts this technology, whether it's Provega, whether it's the Dell EMC streaming data platform, I'm curious if you could give us some examples of, you know, what did the technology enable for them in terms of, you know, value, uh, insight that's unique? Yeah. So that's my favorite part to talk about too, because for me, it's such a, you know, abstract concept that once you really start talking about the use cases, you really understand the value. Uh, and the coolest part about 
my job with the streaming data platform is I get to see those use cases across so many different industries. So for instance, um, we have a, uh, a customer using it in construction. So they have drones flying around a construction site and it identifies different equipment, machinery, human resources, and helps people to analyze the allocation of those resources. So could that crane be used better at site B? Um, is there too many people on this project and not enough on another project? And even taking a look at weather analysis for optimal schedules, um, they're even using it to compare real-time progress to the timelines and plan renderings. So it takes a look at where that construction project is, if it's on time, if it's not, what can they do? So obviously that's huge um, for that company to be able to have that insight kind of in the back end, you know, working um, by itself. And then another um, great use case is in manufacturing. Uh, we have a, a customer who actually just released a use case about how they have different cameras and sensors along their manufacturing line. So it ingests the information as to the speed of that manufacturing line, different temperatures, ambient temperatures, anything that it can collect so that if there's an abnormal product at the end, it is finding the reason why, and then it can proactively fix that problem before it happens again. Whereas, of course, before they were taking a look at historical data, and if something was wrong, they would have to go back and fix it after those abnormalities already occurred. So those are just two examples of use cases. We've also seen it in um, agriculture, using it to um, monitor cattle in a field and airlines using it to take a look at what maintenance planes need in between flights. So we really see it all across different industries. And that's really the coolest part of the, the foundation and, um, you know, the capabilities of Provega and the streaming data platform is that anyone, any organization, any industry can use it to find different ways to innovate. So we love getting to see how people can utilize it. Uh, it sounds it sounds awesome. I love the and the aspirational stories of ways people can actually use technology for real uh, business value. So, I'm curious. You know, you you've made a good case for streaming storage needing to be reimagined. You've articulated well that there is a way to deploy this that solves some unique challenges that streams create in this unbounded, you know, elastic data. But it, you give folks this ability to have strong consistency and a single API that makes it super simple to interact with. But a lot of folks really want to get hands-on and they want to see this for themselves. They want to interact with it. So what's the best way for our listeners to get their hands on Provega now? Yeah, we've tried to make it as easy as possible. So if you just go onto the website, which is provega.io, you can click on Quick Start and download it. And we are so excited to see what people can do with it, like I said. Um, we're giving away 10 copies of Streaming Systems, which is a great book to learn more about streaming systems. So all you have to do is download it and tweet at us about it. Um, our Twitter handle is Provega.io, and uh, we'll be giving away 10 copies of that book because we want to hear everybody's stories. Wow, that's awesome. 
Well, I uh, I really appreciate you both, Amy and Flavio, giving us uh, some insight on to what Provega is, the challenges that it helps organizations solve, and, and really why you've spent time developing uh, this unique approach to dealing with those streams of data. And certainly uh, interesting to hear how Dell EMC's streaming data platform uses Provega technology coupled with some of the best in class products from storage and from a software deployment perspective to really make it simple for organizations to derive value. So it's been super interesting. We've learned a lot from our guests about big data, but now it's time to get a bit personal. In a segment we like to call Rapid Fire. Pew, pew. All right, Amy and Flavio, let's get into Rapid Fire. These questions are a new set of rapid fire questions, some new, some old, but they're very topical given what's going on in the world that most of us are probably in lockdown. So Amy, I'm going to start with you for the first question. What is the first thing you're going to do when lockdown is over? Oh, I love this question because I've been talking about it so much the past few days. I'm going straight to home goods. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Go straight to home goods. Flavio, what about you? What are you going to do in, uh, Whenever you're, uh, whenever you're all done, uh, open water swimming. I want to go to the sea and swim. Oh, that's strong. Okay, now given that we now all live on uh, virtual meetings and we're doing it from our house, and some of us are uh, dealing with varying levels of home office preparedness for this, uh, it, when you go through your day, what is the most likely interruption that's going to come in the background of one of your uh, your web conferences? Well, I have a two year old. So I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Two-year-old walking in the back. Awesome. Flavio, what about you? What's going to interrupt you when you're on an important call? Yeah, I have a five-year-old, so <laughs> it's, it's pretty much the same. <laughs> <laughs> the kiddos. That's awesome. All right. So we usually ask people what piece of technology is making your life worse, but life is hard enough right now. So Amy, I'm curious, is there a piece of technology that is making your lockdown life uh, great right now? I would say all technology. What would we be doing if we didn't have it? Um, but particularly, I'd say FaceTime, because especially with my two-year-old, then he can still see his grandparents and, you know, interact with people. So that makes things a lot easier. Awesome. Flavio, what about you? What piece of technology is making your life uh, manageable, bearable, or better in the, in this lockdown situation? Uh, so our Nintendo Switch, so that I can play with my boys. There you go. I like it. Get the game on. That's fun. Uh, all right. So, uh, you know, maybe you've had a little bit of extra time to read, hopefully. Is there any uh, book that you would recommend to our listeners, Flavio? Um, any book I would recommend. So I, 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 what am I reading right now? I'm reading World Order. That's um, by Harry Kissinger. That's That's what I'm reading right now. All right. Like uh, but I'm not done, so I'm not sure I, I, I would recommend it. But it, it, has, it, it has, it, it's, it's good so far. <laughs> All right. Good to know. Amy, how about you? Are you reading anything interesting that you'd recommend? Yeah. So I think I mentioned I have a two-year-old. Uh -huh. uh, so reading is not a luxury I get to do anymore right now. Um, but so I would recommend streaming systems because I think it's uh, it's really just a great way to explain um, you know, everything that we talked about today. Awesome. Now, you know, I know you both have young children and I do too, but you got to put them to bed at some point. And when you do, I'm guessing you turn on the TV and it's, you got to be binging something. So what is on your binging list right now, Amy? 
Oh, I'm so embarrassed to say it's all Bravo. Bravo gets me through this. <laughs> That's awesome. Any particular show? Uh, all the housewives. Oh, great. <laughs> I love it. Flavio, how about you? What are, what are you watching these days? Yeah, I'm not a big TV guy. Um, it, it, when I turn on TV, it's mostly news. Just to check the news and uh, see what's happening. Awesome. Well, there's plenty of that to go around. We've got plenty of news to keep us uh, to keep us well informed of the craziness in the world. But I do want to say again, Amy Flavio, it was great to have you on. Thank you so much for Dell Technologies being part of the Big Big Data Beard podcast. I certainly encourage our listeners to go check out Provega and the Dell EMC streaming data platform. And uh, I hope that everybody stays safe out there. Be uh, be mindful of uh, of the people around you. Take care of each other, and uh, tune in to the next Big Data Beard podcast. Thanks for listening to the Big Data Beard podcast. The music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. Check him out on iTunes or Spotify. We'd like to thank Dell Technologies for sponsoring this episode. And be sure to smash that thumbs up button so we can keep the episodes coming. Until next time, keep being awesome.